Hello again, my friend. It's Todd Setner, your mental performance coach, and welcome back to the Three Pillars of Elite Results long-form podcast, where each week we bring in a very special guest here on Wisdom Wednesday. Have you ever been around someone who's just different? You know the type. They walk into a room and you are just in awe. Their enthusiasm is contagious. Their energy is magnetic. And you just want to be around someone like this to learn from and listen to. Well, look no further than Darren Janelle. Darren Janelle, welcome to the podcast, my man. You're the first person to come to my office and actually be an in-person sitting, so I appreciate you being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Todd. You and I go way back. What a, what a dope setup you got here, man. This I, is fantastic. I appreciate it. So <clears throat> what I want to do is I want to kick off and give my listeners a little background as to who you are. All right, uh, I know we go back, man, 1993, Amsterdam, Shalmat. We played against each other. Very tough loss for Amsterdam High School. I think it was, did, did, did Ostrander throw the pass? Mortimer caught it. Did I have that right? Uh, Bob McLean threw the pass. Uh, for, those, for the listeners <laughs> out there, right? I think what Todd's referring to is maybe the greatest moment of my life. We were playing Amsterdam. They had us down. Oh, my goodness. Down one. You guys had fouls to give. So every time we inbounded it, you just fouled us. We couldn't get a shot off. Bob McLean threw the pass of the century. All to lend Morty late in at the buzzer, we were going crazy. Thank goodness we got you when you were a sophomore, though. <laughs> if you were a senior, it might have been a different story. I might have ended my career if I was a senior, but that was a great memory. And then, of course, you and I went to play together two years, overlapped at the University of Albany. But I want to back up because we got a lot to talk about. And I'm sure, sure. There. So let's just tell our listeners, I want to know, they want to know who you are, right? Who you are, where you're from, talk a little bit about your family, and we'll dive into the rest. Absolutely. So uh, Darren Janelle, I'm 46 years old. I got a wife and four kids. I uh, got an interesting uh, family. I got two birth kids in the middle. They're 16 and 18. And then I got two adopted kids, uh, older and younger. Um, my oldest boy, is uh, his name is Gideon. He's from Nigeria. He's 22 years old. And then my daughter is uh, 12 years old. So we got, a, we got a full house. You know what I mean, Todd? That's awesome. So talk to me about, and I've known your wife since college, right? What made you guys, you got the two kids in the middle, but what made you want to expand the family and, and, and adopt? Sure, sure. So, so my wife and I are both Christians, right? We're believers. And, uh, but even before I was a believer, I, I had always, I, I don't know, I would see a movie about a family adopting or something like that. It was just something I always felt, even when I was a young kid, I was like, someday I, I want to do that. And my wife always thought that too. Um, and so we got into foster care and fostered a child and, and she, she ended up going back to her birth parents. And then my daughter came to us at one, she was one year old wow. and, uh, you know, she, she came to us. I'll, I'll never forget the day she was dropped off at the door. It's like, it's like wow, here's this she's amazing mine. gift. Yeah. Right. And she's been with us ever since. And she's officially adopted and she's absolutely fantastic. That's awesome. You know, that's yeah. awesome. Well, so we're going to talk about family life and work life and how that balance comes into play. But let's talk about your high school years. Growing up, you know, in, in Schenectady, Shalmont, Schenectady area, talk to me about what, what was it like to grow up there and then you attend Shalmont, you go on to play basketball there. I just want to know, like, what were some of the goals and aspirations as a teenager growing up? Sure. So, so it was my brother and I, right? I have an older brother who's also my business partner, and we founded the business together. Yeah. So we grew up together with my, uh, you know, my parents are both school teachers and and. Really, we were just obsessed with sports, just like you, Todd, right? We were obsessed with basketball. Yeah. And, I, you know, a lot of people, sometimes I, you, you must run into this, too, where you talk about somebody and they're like, oh, me, too. I was into sports big time. And it's like, not, I'm not well, trying to be disrespectful, yeah. but, like, 
you don't understand the level of obsession we're talking about. Right. And and you're one of the rare people in this <laughs> on this earth that was obsessed at the same level, if yeah. not probably maybe even more than yeah. than yeah. I was. And I don't run into that a lot, yeah. right? Um, and, and so that was our whole life was just you know working out every day, playing ball, literally going to the park for like 10, 12 hours. Right. Not necessarily playing ball straight yeah. for that time, but being there from there. morning till dark, right? right? Um, and, and it was just a great way to grow up and, and absolutely loved it. You know, uh, my brother was kicking my ass the whole time. Yeah, right? Right. My older brother who was a savage and also a great player. Yeah. Um, but but I, I just couldn't be happier with my childhood. And I think that shaped a lot of, um, you know, the way I view building special teams, leadership, right. you know, the way I wanted to live my life, right. you know? So going back to your senior, you're at Shamat, right? And, and talking about the Amsterdam game. But like as a senior, are you thinking... I have to go play college basketball. Like, I don't know where I'm going to go, but I have to. Were you getting recruited? What was that process like when you were closing in on the final season in, of your high school career? Yeah, that's, it's funny you bring that up, right? Because when I was real young, we, I was on a great team. This is like middle school because we had the greatest player ever, Dave Cooley. If you know oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave was literally like the greatest. And so we never lost, ever. I just never lost games, ever. So I, I started to think maybe it was a little bit more me yeah. than Dave. <laughs> Dave was the greatest big man ever. So, you know, when I was young, I'm like, oh, I'm going to the NBA. Right, you probably awesome. had that, and yeah. you got actually pretty damn close. Um, and I remember when I was in like ninth grade, I went to one of my brother's AAU games, and and I saw he played against this amazing kid who was the same age as me. And I'm like, oh, all right, I guess I'm the second best player in the state now. <laughs> next next weekend, I went to another tournament. Yeah. And there's ten more of those kids. I'm like, okay, I'm twelfth best. Right. You know, that, after a while, I'm like, oh, I'm actually like three hundredth best in right. the state. Right. You know. Right. So that was a hard realization, yeah. right? And my dream was always to play at Syracuse. My grandfather played at Syracuse back in the 1920s. And then it just, you know, over time it became clear, okay, I'm not going to play at that level. Right. And, yeah, I was getting recruited by some D3 schools, and Albany was recruiting me. But it wasn't, I wasn't their top recruit, right? right? It got even to the point, and you know the story, right? Uh, I committed to Albany, And then towards the end of the year, the legendary coach there, Doc Sowers, he gave me a, he gave me a call and said, we actually got more recruits than we thought. There's not even a spot for you here. See you later. Go somewhere else. I said, what? <laughs> this is literally my entire life is banking on this. Right. And you, he just told me to go somewhere else. I appreciate that he tried to help me. Sure. You know, and so we, I show up freshman year, and there's there's 32 kids what trying out yeah. for the team. You know, 10 returners from last year's varsity. Right. And uh, so I ended up playing JV at the beginning of that. And then, uh, you know, a bunch of people got hurt and quit the team. I was starting on, on varsity by the end of my freshman year, wow. which was a funny Anything, but it was a really crazy journey of thinking I'm going to the league. Oh my goodness, I suck. Oh, I'm going to Albany. Yeah. That's great. Now they told me not to come. <laughs> oh, I'm playing JV. Oh, now I'm starting. So right. it was just a, you know, I think it's. I love all the stuff you preach about Todd about mindset. It's about the process. Mm -hmm. Get up every day. Keep going. And I think my story, basketball wise, is an illustration of that. Right. I just got up every day and kept going to work. Right. And 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 things eventually worked out in my favor. Yeah. Um, I think because of that consistency. Yeah. No, I hear you. And it's I talk about process over outcome, right? You don't know where you're going to end up. And we all have goals. But if you can just focus on, I call it a one-day contract mentality. you got to maximize today in order to get to tomorrow. What's that look like? And, you know, when I got to Albany as a freshman, uh, bright-eyed, no idea what to expect, uh, a Division II, um, you know, opportunity. We knew it was going Division One. super excited. But those first two years – I got a chance to play and overlap with you. And um, I remember the years. I remember you being 
a, and still are a fun, energetic, competitive, um, competitive guy who loved the game. And that's where I think you and I clicked at such a young age. Talk to me about, because we've never came back and talked to each other really about our, our time at Albany, but what's, what's one of your better memories? Like, what was that experience like, and what do you walk away with saying, you know what, I'm so glad I went there because of this? Yeah, you know, I, I think we played, we were lucky enough to be on some really great teams, yeah. right? We had, we had a lot of success, played for legendary coach yeah. Doc Sowers. Yeah. Um, I mean, Doc has really shaped my life. And, yeah. you know, he wasn't there for all of our time, and then Scott Hicks came in. Sure. And, um you know, building some lifelong friendships, right? Literally was just with Tom McGoldrick uh, the nice. other the other yeah. day. Uh, we played with a legend and Andre Duncan, yeah. right? Matt Haggerty and Dixon and uh, all, all the you know Bob Markle, all the, all the guys. That was that was fantastic. Um, but to me, the thing that like I take away from it is, for me, right? I, God gave me some gifts athletically. I'm six two. I can run fast in a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm a white guy at the end of the day, and I, my lateral quickness is suspect, right? But your handle is on point. Oh my gosh, I got the worst <laughs> handle. I had the worst handle in Division Two. Uh, but but what really what I really realized was because of the way we prepared, mm -hmm. the work we put in, the way Doc prepared mm -hmm. us, we would beat teams that were significantly more athletic than us. Right. I mean, time after time after time, it gave me a confidence in a, in a in a it made me realize if you're willing to put in the work and you 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 follow the process yeah. and it's about the consistency and, and doing all of your homework properly, you can overcome crazy odds. Yeah. I think we would be beating these guys, although you were you were nasty and you were quick and you were athletic, but like me, I, I'd be beating these guys like a, a six four stud athlete who can dunk with yeah. ease. He'd be like, How is this guy getting the best of right. me? Right? And and um, But fundamentally Doc, Doc taught us that. Right, and, yeah. we, and we were prepared for the scouting report, yeah. right? We'd get a steal because we knew what play they were going to run. Right. We'd be running different sets. Mm -hmm. We'd know they're going to, oh, okay, I'm going to slip the screen here. And just to be able to outsmart folks and, and uh, overcome, I felt like, with my mind, yeah. that was a, that, that's a huge confidence boost going into life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I remember in high school, um, and we've talked about this many years ago, is I don't think you shot a three-point shot in high school. You might have one or two. But in college, you became the three-point shooter in the league. Um, and every time you hit one, your arms went up. And, and Doc loved that. But talk to me about where did that shift come from? Because sure. that's a big shift for someone that had a mid-range game that was really good to just being a lethal three-point shooter. Sure. So, so I'm always looking for an angle, right? How, do I, how can I do this smarter, better? What can I do? And in high school, I was able to get to the hoop. I, could, you know, I had a mid-range game, and that worked. And I said, why not shoot higher percentage shots? Right. Went to college, started driving to the hoop, and they went. Bat my shot off the backboard like a volleyball player. I'm like, I could never finish in there. Those guys are a different level, right? You got a 6'9 guy who's just going to come smear that against the glass, right? right? And so I said, okay, this is not going to work. Right. I got to reinvent myself as a player. And that's where, oh, my boy, Andy Goody, Goody. man. I just talked to Goody. Nice. I love that man. Yeah. Um, Goody really took me under his wing and said, dude, you got to become a shooter. Right. And we just started shooting. I, how many would we shoot a day? It felt like, yeah, yeah, I mean, hundreds and yeah. hundreds. He'd just keep feeding, ready, shoot. And I was like a robot, and I just put in the work. And I think all of that work that I had done in my high school years right. – you know, allowed that to take quicker because sure. by the end of my freshman year, I had evolved into a shooter, right. um, and I had to carve out a, a, a way. You know, and you came in, you were already shooting like that, um, but that was something I really developed um, 
really looking for an angle of how do I do this better? Okay. And, and that's the same attitude I take with my business mm -hmm. and, okay, this isn't working. How can I do this better, smarter, different, um, so I can kind of reinvent myself? And, and, and that was a, a good uh, use case of that. Right. Great segue, too, because as basketball junkies, talk to me about how hard it was to stop, you know, hang up the shoes as a senior, get into a men's league now, and start your corporate world. So from basically 98 to 2005, you got into um, the corporate world down in New York City. Were you still playing? Did you did you figure out how to get into the new life you're living now as a young adult that, that wasn't an athlete anymore per se? What was that transition like? Yeah, so, so when I got done with my career in 98, moved down to New York City, got a job as a software engineer down on Wall Street, I just took my basketball obsession and I just redirected it yeah. towards my career, towards learning be, to become a software engineer, went to grad school at NYU, yep. um, started many awful startups. My brother and I have some really bad startups. And we he started, went down with you? He was down there. We were working at the same company. We had the same job uh, working at this company, DTC, down on Wall Street, um, doing startups at night and on the weekends. But I really took that, again, that same obsession that... We're just maniacal, yeah. you know. I, I don't know if I got OCD or what I got. I'm with you. I, we got yeah. something. <laughs> we got something inside us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so I just redirected that. Um, yeah, we were still balling, and you know where we were playing was uh, we played in Hoop It Up a lot. Oh wow! Hoop yeah. It Up is a three-on-three -three, uh, tournament. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, yeah. uh, and I played with Tom McGoldrick, who we also played with, and yeah. we had some runs down there, man. Yeah. We played at a really high level of of three-on-three, uh, three, and that kind of scratched the basketball itch for us. Every year we prep and we do a couple different tournaments. We'd travel to Boston, and um, we, we had some success in that. But nice. it was really, the focus was all about my career at that point, and, yeah. uh, you know, again, it was it was maniacal. Yeah, <laughs> so at that young age, still, we're, we're in our low 20s, all the skills we learned in sports can transfer over to the business world. Is there one... When we talk about whether it's the mindset, your work ethic, the discipline, like, is there one that stuck out for you in your life when you got into the corporate world? You're like, man, I'm glad I have this kind of whatever. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's just the the daily grind, right? So if you, you play college basketball or any any college sport, yeah. it's a it's a schedule, right? Yeah. You got to go to class, you got to do your work, you got to, you know, you're traveling, and it's just. To me, it never seemed hard. It just, you and I are like robots. It's just like, sure, I just get up every day and I grind. This is what we and, do. Right? Oh, my day ended at midnight. Wow, I yeah. didn't even think of that. Yeah. You know? I come home, my housemates are chilling on the couch. I'm like, dude, I got a 14 hours in so far. <laughs> um, and so I think it was just moving that into like the work world. The right. other people aren't ready to compete at that level. Right, right. I remember, so when I got my first job, I got into a training program and it was nine to five. And so then at five, like everybody be like, all right, see ya. I'm like, where are we going? We're just getting warmed up, dog. <laughs> right. You know, and so I, I literally, I'm not kidding. I'd stay from 5 p.m. to midnight, right. almost every night. Right. And, you know, four, five, six weeks in, I'm still doing this. And I'm starting to pass everybody. And they're just like, you're so driven. You're, what is, you know, what is this thing inside you? And I'm yeah. just like, dude, this is what I've been doing for 20 years. Right. I didn't think, I really didn't feel like I was doing this amazing thing. It was just what you and I grew up doing, core, yeah. right? And so I'm, I'm trying to instill that in my kids, right? Because um, if, if you have that motor, if you have that, hey, I can just get up and do this all day, every day, I mean, how can you not be successful? I mean, I guess you could catch some bad breaks and some bad luck, right. but... Eventually, that will overcome even that. Yeah. You always say, right? Yeah. It's not about what happens to you. It's how you react, right? Right. right. It's, it, it makes me think of the late, great Kobe Bryant because he loved the grind. And he, he had one great example. And he said, 
Think about it. If you want to be great at basketball, and let's say you wake up at 7 a.m., and you get a workout on from 8 to 10, if, you, if you've seen this yeah, video. Yeah, I know this one, yeah. Yeah, 8 to 10. And then you come on back home, and you have some lunch, you come back, and you go 2 to 4. And then you, you know, have some dinner, mid-afternoon mid, uh, mid dinner, and come back 6 to 8. Three times you worked out. He goes, but if you wake up at 4 a.m., and you work out from 4.30 to 6.30, and then you have breakfast, I get the kids off to school, and then I come back from 7 to 9, right? And then I come back, have breakfast, see the wife, then I go from 11 to 1. And then I come back, have something to eat, recover, come back. Then I go from you know three to five, and maybe I come back and do seven to nine. Yeah, I double the amount of what my previous example was, and that's why Kobe Bryant separated himself. So your work ethic mirrors that in the business world yeah. as this is all you knew yeah. at a very young age. And we had great coaches, of course. My dad, I know, obviously your parents and coach. Coach uh, Osinski. Oh, uh, Coach O, man. I love that, man. Yeah, he reminded me of my dad. (laughs) They used to battle every year as well, so it's good stuff. So 2005, right? New York City, you're just finishing it up there, and now you're you're getting into a a new kind of new business. I shouldn't say new business, but you're leaving the corporate world in terms of you you got your MBA, you were doing software engineering, but now you're doing educational software. Engineering yeah. software. E- educational education software. software. Yeah. Yeah. So you did that from 2005 to 2012. Tell me about that experience. Yeah. So so March 7, 2005 is when I quit my job. I got remember it. that day. I got this sign. And I was all like, uh, so naive. Like, yay, I'm doing it. And right. then some crap happened. But uh, <laughs> before that, yeah. right, up until then, we were starting, we were trying startups, my brother and I. And right. they were failing. And but around March of 05, we had one that was starting to show some traction. This was the educational software program. And um, so we, we had, we pitched 12 schools. I took a week of vacation. We pitched 12 schools. 11 out of 12 were like, this is great. We want to buy it. So my brother and I, we're high-fiving in the parking lot. We're like, we're going to be rich, man. You know, this is, this is super easy. And <laughs> so I quit my job. I had okay. a great job um, in, in New York. But at, at, so I, I quit that. My wife also got pregnant with my first son, our first son. And so she quits her job. We move back upstate and we buy a house. You know, I'm all in for the suburban lifestyle. It costs money. You yeah, know, yeah, you know yeah. how it is, yeah. right? But I'm going to be rich. So yeah. no problem. We got it. Then I realized there's a difference between a verbal commitment and actually closing a deal. <laughs> you know how many of those 11 verbals we close? We close zero of them, son. Zero. Um, they like the software. I do think they wanted it, but closing a deal is hard, especially with the school budget. And yeah. again, I was so young and naive. I was just like, of course I'll close at least half of them. Right. Close zero of them. We go almost a year without making any money. Same thing over and over. Schools like it, but I can't get the deal done. We eat through all of our savings, and we had good savings, and we go 70 G's in credit card debt. Oh $70,000 in credit card debt. Literally almost lost the house. I had to borrow money from my dad. Actually, all of it was in credit card debt. You know, set 20K of that was a, bar- was a loan from my dad. dad. From my dad. I might give that back, dad. We'll see. I'd rather, lo- I'd rather get credit cards and pay 25% That's than owe my dad. Yeah. And, and he's an awesome support. I don't yeah. mean it like that. But, you know, you don't yeah, want to yeah. owe your dad. And so, you know what I do, Seth? I'm in, I'm, you know... I'm up against the wall at this point, right? And you'll appreciate this. I said, all right, I got to dig out. What's my number one skill? Work ethic. I took two full-time programming contracts. I was a software engineer in New York, so I had some skills, right? So I took a contract, and that was good. That stopped the bleeding. That wasn't getting enough to to pay off the debt. I took a second one. I did two full-time gigs, two 40-hour-a-week gigs for 11 months. It was brutal. I just wake up. I go down in the basement. I start coding. And I go to like one, two in the morning. I did that for eleven months. God, no bullshit, man. Eleven months um, and paid off the debt. Seventy grand in credit card debt in eleven months. 
And you know what I said? I, I came out of that and I said, I just went up into the darkness and I was able to hustle my way out. Yeah. That gave me confidence, yeah, baby. Yeah. I feel like my, you know, yeah. doubled in size after that <laughs> because, uh, because now it's like, all right, what do I got to be scared of, man? I just went and faced it and dug, dug the freak out, baby. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, um, so, so yeah, so that, that allowed me to kind of like get a little bit more bold as we, we continued on with the, the educational software. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get to 2012. That's a great story. You get to 2012, and now you co-found Janelle Group with your brother. So talk to me, and you're doing that obviously through today. So 12, to, so 10 years, almost a de- over a decade. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So talk to me about the Janelle Group on a, on a high level, because I want to dive into some of the things you do do in terms of culture and leadership, but like... How did you come up with like we're gonna run our own company and this is what we're gonna be about? Yeah, sure. So, so yeah, so like from '05 when I quit to 2012, we were doing the educational software right. and just we could never get over the hump. We we do okay and we make some sales and we'd be like, oh, we're figuring it out. And then we you know take some hits. I think the highest we got up to revenue was a half a million dollars a year, right. which that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. But to run a software company, half a million goes pretty quick, right, right, right. you know. So we'd hire a couple people. We'd have to lay them off. And, and it was just up and down. And, and all of that, you know, we were raised with that. Michael Jordan on your shoulder, yeah. Kobe, Larry Bird saying, never give up. And, and honestly, we probably should have given up quicker. Right. I, not probably. We definitely should have, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. The whole time we're doing that set, we're getting people in our network saying, look, we know you guys develop software. We know you're savages, and so you're going to get anything we, we send your way, you're going to get it done. Right. Build this software for my company. We're like, nah, we're focused on our own thing, right? We were going to build the billion-dollar company. Yeah. These, these deals kept coming our way. We kept turning them down. Around 2012, we said, you know, maybe we're never going to get this thing over the hump. Let's take the next project that comes our way, right? I wish I could tell you we had some beautiful business plan, and we told you, we, we said, oh, this is what Janelle Group's going to be. Yeah. It was just, like, let's take a project that comes our way. Literally the next day, the phone rings. Buddy of mine needs something. We bang it out. And we get paid. Now we're like, well, we're grinding. At least we made a little bit of money. Phone rings again. We take another project. Phone rings again. Another, another. Then we hire a young person, bring them in and train them up. We've always had a passion for that. That goes back to our sports days, trying to build that special team atmosphere. Phone rings again. Another hire, another hire. And then it it just went on from there. Literally from 2012, the phone just didn't stop ringing. And we grew the team. Um, We're at 150 people right now. And we've really got something something figured out but but most importantly we've built that special team atmosphere that yeah. thing that you and I got so addicted yeah, to yeah, as, yeah. as young athletes as young ball players um, you know we, we got addicted to and so we recreated that so that's a bit of the journey of how we got here today right so where's Janelle group located is it brick and mortar mm-hmm. and and, uh, and also double question here is what type of people are you bringing into the Janelle group are they young young kids coming in out of school looking to just get after it what's that look like in terms of the personnel yeah, sure. So, so uh, we're 150 people. Our headquarters is is in Schenectady, New York. Yep. So anybody, you know, out of the area, we're about two hours north of New York City. Yep. Uh, so we have a huge, awesome headquarters right in Schenectady. Uh, about a hundred of our people are local in yep. the capital region, uh, and then 50 are just remote throughout the country. Everybody's onshore in the United States. Um, but even of our hundred people that are local, only probably half of them come into the office. Gotcha. We make everything optional to to the team, however they want to handle it. And what we're looking for, Todd, is, is we're looking for really smart, really sharp, high achievers. Um, you know, that we're looking for that nerd gene, right? Yeah. I, I need the guy. I want the guy who loves that nerd gene. I love that nerd yeah, gene, yeah, yeah. right? If I hear, oh, I got a perfect score on the math SAT, I say, 
well, you're my guy, right? Or you're my girl, right? right? And, uh, you know, I, I think like a lot of people don't look at that, right? right? They don't, who, who asks about SAT scores? Right. But if you're hiring engineers, I want the guy who was great at math when they were 16 years old, Agreed. right? There's something, something in them. Um, and then they got to match on our core values, right? We have a no a-hole policy, 150 people. We have no jerks in our whole company. Um, everybody's like easy to get along with, happy, right? I want to be around happy people. You yeah. know me, said I'm happy. Yeah. I want to be around happy people. And we've created this environment where, um, you know, we have fun during yeah, the day. Yeah, you do. And, and I see and that and in social what, media. That's what we want to do. Yeah. You know? So let's talk about, you, you said we, we have no a-holes, but that starts with recruiting and interviewing. Is there something you're doing that you feel like, I figured this out in order to find that right candidate? What, what is it? Because interviewing is difficult. Yeah. I have clients come to me and say, I just had to let someone go again. Can you help me get through this interview yeah. process? What is it that you're, you're sure. trying to look at? Oh, this is one of my favorite topics, man. You know, if, all right. So if we're starting a, a, a college basketball program, yeah. what's the first thing we need? You gotta give me talent, right. baby. I can't win with dogs. You can't give me bums, right? I need some talent, <laughs> right? And so how do you get talent? It's about your recruiting funnel. Our recruiting funnel is absolutely absurd. This year, Todd, we are gonna vet 120,000 people, okay? That's 10,000 a month. That's like a quick LinkedIn stalking, looking right. at their resume, not really much. Even if there's no opening, you're just keeping the benches warm. Yeah, well, no, well, uh, there are always openings, okay. first of all, because we're growing so fast and we're, what, we're, what we do is in such high demand. Okay. So there are always openings. But if we find a great player, we'll bring them in and then it it's, it's my job to find a spot for them. Right. Right. So we're vetting those folks. Of those, we're going to interview about 1,500 of them it, right, it, per year wow. in one year. And we're going to hire about 60 or 70 of them. So think of that funnel, yeah. 120,000. Again, most of those were, were stalking people out of LinkedIn. Yeah, I get it. We're going to interview 1,500 of them yep. to hire 60 or 70. Got it. Think of that funnel, yeah. right? These people that are saying, your clients that are saying, oh, I, I'm having trouble hiring, right? They, they, this, the people come to me all the time. I'll go, oh, well, how many people did you talk to? And they're like, I mean, I've tried everything. I said, give me a number. And they're like, I mean, like, like eight. All right, I was going to say five. Yeah. I said, did you say eight? <laughs> Talk about eighty-eight, dog. Right. You know, did you say eight? Right. I'm gonna slap the taste out your mouth. Right. You know, imagine right. a college basketball program. Recruiting. I mean, eight. I can't win. I looked at eight point guards. <laughs> I mean, I got the best of point of eight. I got a five ten fat white kid. Right. Um, you know, I don't know why I'm not winning my league. Right. It's like, dude, you gotta look at every point guard in the country. Right. And 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 that's the way we attack it, right? We we always say we recruit like a college football program, right? right? I, and, and so that's what it's about. It's it's a numbers game. When you start to talk to that many people, you get better at it. 100%. I probably interviewed, I'm not even joking, 5,000 people. Are you, is this phone, Zoom? Are you bringing people in? Do you have a team that's on it? Like, what is that? Yeah, like? so we have a full-time recruiting team, okay. right? So there's, I think, six people in that okay. division, and they're doing this that's all day, do. every day. Yeah. Um, I'm doing less and less of it over time, but, you know, again, I've probably done 5,000 interviews. Right. You know, if you've done 50 interviews, you're decent at it. You might miss the thing. After you've done a thousand of them, you're starting to get really good at it. And I'm looking for all these like weird little things yeah. that I think other people aren't looking at. I mentioned the math SAT score. I want to see, I'm looking for a farmer. Give me a farmer that's yeah. good at math. Oh my gosh, I'll take them all day long, right? right? When sports comes up, I, di I dig into their sports career, right, Todd? So I, somebody says, I love basketball. Or, you know, especially if they do some research yeah. on me, they know I'm a ball player. Yeah. They go, I love basketball too. Basketball was my whole life. They're trying to connect with me. And then I start asking some questions. Oh, you know, tell me about this. Tell me about your coach. And they're like, ah, oh, my coach was a jerk. He, he didn't like me. There you go. I'm like, 
He didn't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Thank you for telling me that because right. if your coach didn't like you, there's probably a reason. Are there some jerk coaches out there that just don't like people for no reason? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah. But odds are if your coach doesn't like you and you're complaining about him, it's on you. And, and maybe if he was the jerk that, that really didn't like you for what, some crazy reason, you're not smart enough to not bring that up in an interview. Exactly. Either way, I'll, you're I'll out. Handle it. Right. You know what I mean? So right. these are some of the things. I could go on for two hours on that topic. I love interviewing. I'm about to bring you back for that because that's a, a big topic yeah. of mine. Um, so as you know, right, my pillars are mindset, leadership, and culture. I want to start with pillar three, which is culture. Um, I'm seeing you level up your social media presence, which I love. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but you talk a lot about culture. You spend a lot of time on that. The recent one I saw was you have uh, JG mugs, and you call it JG mug shots. And wherever your crew is traveling, they'll bring a mug just like this one, and they'll post a picture with cool scenery, which is cool. Did you start that, or who started that? And talk to me about like how do you create culture? And the reason why I'm asking this, and we might dive more specifically, because every organization out there has their core principles up on a website, and when you interview them, they challenge you on them. But when you get to that company, they don't talk about them one second. Yeah. Right? They don't live them. They don't breathe them, and that's why companies fail. Yeah. What I see from your organization is it's talked about, it's spoken about every single day. <laughs> Obviously, there's a focus there. Talk to me about why you're doing that and where did all this come from. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I mean, to me, culture is everything, right? I, I want to be, I said, I want to be around happy people. I want to be in a great environment. I want to be around people who are achieving. I want to be around a dude, like, who has just run an Ironman. Thank you. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> that, that inspires me. That's the way I want to live my life, right? Yeah. So we wanted to create that environment. Um, and, and it starts, first off, with the type of people you bring it in, yep. right? Think of the best, most fun people you know. If you went on a trip, a vacation, and everything went wrong on that trip, the flight got canceled, the weather sucked, all this bad stuff happened, yeah. but you were with fun people, you're going to have matter. great legendary stories, yeah. you'll be laughing, right? As opposed to if you went with the dullest, most annoying complainer people you know, and right. you went to the five-star resort and everything was perfect, that trip was going to suck because they're going to be draining you. Right. I don't want to be around those cats. Right. I want to be around th that other group, right? So that it starts with that. And then you got... Like, kind of the gimmicks. I call them gimmicks. We have a keg in the office. We have a ping pong table. We have all this, this fun stuff to yeah. do. That's just gimmicks, right? Put boring people, annoying people in that environment, they're not going to have fun with it. That's, a lot of people look at that and they go, oh, the culture's so cool because you have this. this, this are, those are just things. Right. But I do think it's good to create an environment yeah. that's fun, yeah. right? But if you put the right people in that environment, right? right? And then what we found is, and this is really cool as we've grown, is the culture takes on a life of itself. You mentioned the mugshot challenge. Yeah. We didn't start that. That was not a, a thing that my brother or I came up with. One of our guys went to Alaska, and he, um, there was a, my brother put a bounty out for whoever goes to Alaska. He said $500 for the first person who goes to Alaska, because it was the last state. We had been to 49 of the 50 states as you. a team. Yeah. And so the guy literally flew there for a weekend. Right. And then the way he announced it was he took his picture of his coffee cup in front of the sign that says, Welcome to Alaska. Yeah. And he goes, has anyone seen my mug? It's the one with the broken handle. It's got a broken <laughs> handle. And then we were just like, oh, my God, what a legend, right? Uh, by the way, he spent 300 bucks on his plane ticket, and he got 500 so he netted 200 Perfect. <laughs> uh, and then the next time somebody went on vacation, they took their mug and just, like, right. did the same thing. Like, has anyone seen my coffee mug? 
boom, boom, boom. Awesome. At this point, we, we've been doing this for, I don't even know, six years. We've had hundreds of pictures. Yeah. I think it's 45 or 40 different countries. Um, some of the most amazing uh, photos ever. And you're, you know, it's so annoying to do yeah. a mugshot because you're in like some dope spot. I was just in Paris. Right. I'm literally walking around with the mug, mug on like on my belt. <laughs> And then I take a picture of it, like, ugh, you know? It's so annoying. And then I'm like, now I have to carry this mug for the rest of my life. Right. Sometimes I just throw it away, you know? Uh, but did, it, did it make you up your mug game? Like, oh, have you yeah. gotten, like, more? It's actually really hard to take a mug shot. It doesn't, see, when you see them, you're like, oh, that, it's hard because a mug is small and, like, the thing you want to capture is so big. You know, almost yeah. need to be, like, an actual real photographer. Right. And actually, the champ... Uh, this guy Jet Brewer, he's won two or three years. Uh, he's actually my video guy, and he's also the so guy. Got he, right. he's, he actually knows what he's doing. Right. You know, he's right. got he's right. got some skills. So awesome. yeah, it's a it's a fun thing. And, and again, the, the culture takes on a life of its own. There's all kinds of stuff going on in our company, Todd. I don't even know about. Right. People are like, oh, I was at the, you know, the I don't even know. They play video games. CS:GO tournament this weekend. I'm like. There was a tournament. They're like, yeah, there were 25 of us online. I'm like, this is going on. I didn't yeah. even know. Right, you know? Right, right. So it's really cool when you get the right people and it starts to take on a life of its own. It, it, it just it just grows. Yeah. So the JG mugshot challenge was cool. And as I watched you on social media, I see you on TikTok now. I see you got on TikTok page. By the way, your handle is for our followers. Well, my my big thing is my YouTube channel, okay. right? So it's at Darren.Janelle. Okay. Uh, check out my YouTube channel. I'm trying to grow that. Yeah. I am also on all the other platforms, Instagram, TikTok, all those. But YouTube is really where I'm putting my best content, and I'm trying to to build a footprint, which is which is a whole funny thing, right? right. Like I'm, you, you know, you're, you're putting yourself out there, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And it it's feels like almost like I don't know. Sometimes it feels a little strange, you yeah. know? I'm like, it's it's a good time though, man, because what I learned trying to launch my own company in the middle of a pandemic. A speaking company, which everyone told me I was crazy, is when we came out of it, everyone needed some sort of mindset shift. And when I watch what you're doing, talking about late night life hacks, working out, I wrote some things down, making progress every day, you put it together a Mount Rushmore list of business people, traveling more. Um, it's what people want. Everyone's looking for that edge to get inspired, to get motivated. Question back to you is, is there a theme? Are you trying to get something out of growing your social media presence? Are you trying to, to find a theme in there so when people see Darren Janelle or the Janelle group, they're going to always get something in this umbrella? Or are you just thinking of something on a day and you go, let me get on camera and post this because I think this will be cool? Well, what's the vision? Sure. So, so first and foremost, and this is like a weird thing to admit, but it's true. There's something inside me that has to come out. I have to communicate this, right? <laughs> you, you probably, you have something similar, right? right. Like, I want to get up there and speak in front of 10,000 people. Right. I want to get on YouTube and share these things. I'm compelled to share this. Right. I went through all of this stuff and all of this trouble to get to where I'm at. I think I have stuff. I believe I have stuff to share mm -hmm. with others that will help them go faster, right? And and. You and I lived and grew up on all of that stuff, and that helped me in so many ways, right? right? Daily, multiple times a day, um, refilling my cup with different motivation, different clips, watching your stuff, watching, I mean, all these great speakers on, on, on YouTube and all of these different platforms. I want to contribute to that conversation. Right. There's something inside me right. that's that's spilling over, and 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 then in terms of building the brand, right? If I can build the brand, and you know, maybe that leads to maybe paid speaking gigs. Right. Ultimately, the more I speak, the more I get out there, the more good things that happen 
for me and for Janelle Group, right? That's maybe the selfish right. side of it. Absolutely. You go and speak in front of 5,000 people, one of them's gonna go, I love what you're doing. Yeah. Matter of fact, we're building a software application. Right. Can you guys help? Exposure. Hmm, let me see. I got 150 <laughs> nerds ready to freaking bang on their keyboard. Of yeah. course we can help you. And now, now it's like, well, I closed the deal here. I didn't come here to, to close a, a million dollar software project, right. but sometimes that happens, yeah. right? And Abs so, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> That's cool. So, and, and, and again, when you are speaking, when you're putting content out, we're, let's talk about leadership. And at the Janelle Group, you, you recently posted, you said, at the Janelle Group, our leadership team is here to serve you, not the other way around. Talk to me about that cultural approach to leadership because most people, I say this all the time, leadership is not a sum of the time thing. It's an all of the time thing. You can't flip it on and off like a light switch. You have to be ready to take that phone call, return that email, have an open door policy because there's a lot going on in people's mm -hmm. heads that, 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 you're, that are leaning on you. And so... The problem with today is most people manage because it's so hard to lead because when you lead others, you have to first lead yourself. Yeah. So what does it mean that you're, you have a servant leadership approach at the Janelle Group? Yeah. I, I think this is something that's changed over the last maybe 20 years in business. I feel like in the old days, in the 50s, maybe 60s, yep. it was a little bit more... You do what I, I say. Yeah, right. right. Bobby Knight approach. Yeah, and the same with sports, right? right? That's the way coaches coach back then. And we were kind of in between those two eras. Right. And, and But what I think people have realized as, as time has gone on, if you want those great players, if you want those elite people on your team, it's on you. It, and this is the way I look at it. It's on me and my leadership team to continue to provide opportunity for these folks mm -hmm. so that they can build a career so they never want to leave, right? I mean, these guys are super highly sought after. They're getting hit up on LinkedIn every day. Oh, Just sure. like we're out there stalking people out, they're getting every day, they're getting offers from different people. Right. So we need to serve them so that they can architect and build the life of their dreams so that they can take their career and steer it where they want it to go. Yeah. Um, there's nothing more important than making sure that we're setting them up in that way, right? right? And, and, and so if, we do, if you don't take that approach, a lot of the folks who say, everybody keeps leaving me, everybody keeps leaving. Well, yeah, maybe because you're not serving them and they found somebody who will, right? right? There's only a certain percentage of folks that are these A players. Yeah. If you want bums, well, then you don't need to serve <laughs> right. them, right? I'll get some bums in here and just Two treat days. them like dogs, yeah. and, you know, and you're sure you'll Flip be, more. but that's not what I want. Right. I want to build an elite team, right. you know? Yeah, and so uh, with leadership comes a chance to elevate people, right? And you just said, help them create the life that they want. There's a couple of phrases that I use a lot with my listeners. I, I like to say, I finish a, a pair or an email or a post with "Let's dominate the day," I love right? That. Or uh, most recently on, on our cups, mm -hmm. take inspired action today. <laughs> I've seen you on your post now. You have a common theme saying, "Do something great today," and I love that. And you got the signature and a cool little piece there. What What are you trying to tell people? Like people can see it all day long. Sometimes I think people say, "Oh, he says dominate the day," but if you stop and think about yeah. what that means. How are you maximizing your day with time management, energy management? How are you going to plan today for tomorrow? All that stuff. What does do something great today mean? Yeah, you know, in, in Janelle Group, one of our mottos is do something great. Do great things personally and professionally. Okay. Right? It's not just about at work. We're not saying just do great things here. I want to be with the people running a, a, a triathlon, running a marathon, traveling to Europe. We got a guy who built his own house. He's not even a carpenter. He built his own home that his family lives in, right? right. I want to be around those type of people, right? And, and so it's about doing something great 
every single day, right? I want to go in and I want to I want to produce greatness. Yeah. If I if I have a decent day and I just kind of go about my business and I didn't move the needle on something or didn't do something that I was like fired up about, yeah. I go I, I don't know. I didn't do something great today. Yeah. That's not that I don't look at that as like a great successful day for myself, right? Right? It's not about my to-do list. It's about I want to do something great. And and maybe that's as small as inspiring somebody. Maybe that's producing a video and sending out some encouragement. Maybe that's delivering a, a solution for a client, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to do something great and I want to get that reaction from people because yeah. that's the way I want to live my life. Yeah. And so that's why we, we stick with it. Do something great today, yeah. right? You'll If you come to our office, you'll see uh, do great things personally and professionally. You'll see that all over oh, the wall. Nice. As you leave, it says, hey, in this office, we do great things uh, professionally. When you leave this door, go do something great personally, right? right? And there's all kinds of that. I, I believe in that brainwashing, awesome. right? Yeah. We're trying to brainwash ourselves daily, right? 100%. That's what life's about. And, and what I'd love to see you do is I got to do a better job of this is you got that um, ask me a question or get a response in social media. Yeah. But if you started to say, do something great today and tell me what it was. Oh, I love that. Then you get some take feedback that. and, and uh, I would love to see that. I'm going to take that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a video and do that and then hopefully we get some people yeah. chiming in because that's when you get inspired, right? During COVID, we did this, we, we used Slack, which is like yeah. a, a messaging platform yeah. and we had a channel, Slack goals, right? And people say, just painted my house today, just re renovated my bathroom today, just built a home gym, and they're posting pictures in there. And we're just seeing the great things yeah. that people are doing. So cool. And and there's nothing more motivating than that. Right. I'd be like, well, these are my teammates. I got to step up my game. You know what? I'm going to do this crazy thing. <laughs> in my house, uh, I made my kids, uh, we got this crazy railing with all these spindles. I go, kids, we got to paint all these spindles. And so we started, <laughs> we painted all the spindles, right? And it was just awful, right? right. I mean, it was just hell. Right. It took us like three weeks to paint them all. And I posted that, like, look what I did. <laughs> like, this guy bragging about painting so Making them work. Spindles, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's what I, that's that's what what I do. do. <laughs> so um, as long as I've known you over 20 years, you've always been a guy that was really good about giving other people credit. And you, you never you never really shine a light on yourself. And I'm going to give you the opportunity right now. Define yourself in one word. You don't have to stick to the one word. But if you were to say, you know what, man? I always tell my clients, we gotta, let's do a well, better, how. Mm -hmm. What did we do well today? What can we do better? How are we going to do it better? Let's talk about the well with Darren Janelle. What, what, you are a very successful business owner, father, husband, right? Brother, son. What have you done well that's gotten you to where you yeah. are? Yeah. Um, I think if I had to pick the, the, the thing that that's maybe the differentiator for me, it's, and I can't do it in one word, but I can cut it down yeah. pretty good. Identifying talent and then leading and inspiring them to go do their thing. Right. Right? That's really what it is. Yeah. Find somebody awesome. Just tell them, hey, I believe in you, man. Yeah. Let's do this thing. Then kind of like sell them on the vision of what we're doing. Yeah. And then put them in an environment where they can go do that. It's, it's really that simple, right. right? And if you think about what a great coach does, that's what a great coach does. Yeah. They find a great player. They bring them in. They sell them on what they're doing. They get them maybe to their college or something. Yeah. And now they're investing in them and just trying to help them become the best version of themselves they can be. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's what I've done, I, I think, that's really allowed us to scale from you know just a couple people up through the 30 or 40 to 75 to now at 150 Todd right. we got a leadership team that's about 15 16 people wow. and these are people that again I'm not trying to take all the credit it's they were stars to begin with but I feel like 
I've been able to say, hey, I see you as a star, come be part of this thing. Yeah. And that's why it's growing and scaling is right. because there's now there's 17, 15 or 17 of those leaders. Right. It's not just my brother and I, right? right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's huge. Um, yeah, I appreciate answering that question. And it, it, as simple as it is, it's not easy though because you got to put the time in. Yeah. And putting the time in the people, sometimes you're not going to get it right away. Yeah. you got to come back to the well and come back to the well. Uh, one of the things I, I love about you is you're, you're, you're well-educated. Um, I believe you're a reader. Yes. Yeah, you're a reader. I, I listen to listen, books. Audio books, yeah. same thing, podcasts. Um, obviously, you know, having my book out, The Three Pillars of Elite Results, um, I know you're going to recommend this, but aside from that, what I want to know is if you could recommend a book, what is the greatest book you've ever read and why? Yeah, so... Um, this is a fantastic I know, book, I by the way. But this doesn't count. That. I know. <laughs> That's cheating, right? Of course i got to say that. No, but I do love your stuff, Todd. I, the, the daily brainwashing and just, if you're not about that and continuing to remind yourself, you're gonna, it's going to start to you're slip. Spiral, right? Yeah. Even a cycle like you, you must slip. 100%. And then you're like, i got to get back to it, right? I'm going to get to that question. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So the, the probably the book outside of the Bible that has, the, has had the largest impact in my business career has I, I, I got to do two? Let's do it. Rich Dad Poor Dad. Amazing. When I read that, that's I, the next week I quit my job. Okay. And then remember, if you I almost went bankrupt, yeah, so bankrupt. maybe I was a little too but soon. Rich Kiyotowski <laughs> almost put you. Whatever yeah, 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 Robert Kiyosaki. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but a couple years ago I read Traction, which is it's EOS Entrepreneurial Operating System. Okay. Is the it's a system in which you run your business on, right? And. This got presented to me a few years into Janelle Group, and people were like, hey, you should think about EOS, uh, this operating system. It's a whole system for how you run your business. Yeah. I looked at it, and I'm like, ah, we're kind of doing all of that stuff. A couple years later, I came back to it and said, oh, wait a minute. We are doing most of this, but every time I hire a new leader and bring a new leader in, I got to explain them the Janelle way of doing it, and I got to give them my vocabulary, and da 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 EOS gives us a system, oh. and it's a vocabulary and a meeting cadence, and there's all this, these aspects of EOS, right? So now when we bring a new leader in, we say, hey, we run EOS here. They take the book. They devour that. It's like it's, it's a much more scalable system, right. right? So EOS has been something that's really allowed us to scale from probably about 75, 80 people to 150, and thank goodness for that system. And we've, we've doubled down on it even, even more. Interesting. So Traction and then Rich Dad, Poor Dad, two book recommendations. I got two more questions, and then we're gonna we're gonna wind down with what I call the hot seat questions, quick hitters. But the first question is this: you could take a minute to think about it. But if you had the opportunity to sit next to three people, dead or alive, who would they be, and why would you want to talk to each of those three people? No question. Number one, by far, Jesus. Yep. Right? I gotta sit down with this dude. I got a ton of questions for that man. <laughs> I might. The other two, my, you know, the other two are gonna be amazing, amazing people. They're right. like, can I speak? Like, no. Yeah. I got time with JC. Yeah. Uh, I got a million questions for that dude. Yeah. And I mean, how amazing would that be? Right? right? Would I be making him do magic tricks? Right. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Make me float or something. Right. right? right. So all right. So JC, we'll put him aside. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, then I would have to say. I'd want some time with Bill Gates. Okay. Right? I think Bill Gates is He was on your Mount Rushmore list. Yeah, I think he's one of the smartest people that have ever lived. Arguably one of the greatest businessmen. You could argue through his charity, he might be having the greatest impact in the world of anyone ever outside of maybe JC. Right. Right? Right. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of... uh, 
positive impact he has. Although some people think he's like the devil. I choose to not believe that. Yeah. I mean, imagine if it turns out he is like. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then third, I got to get somebody with some grit. Um, I'd probably bring Goggins in. Machine. I mean, Goggins, I'd also be scared though, yeah. right? Because yeah. he'd probably be like, all right, let's go cold plunge right now, yeah. then we're going to run 20 miles, yeah. then we're going to, right? I'd be like, I should have picked somebody else. Yeah, right, right, right. I'll tell you, you know? man, David Goggins, for the, for the listeners, obviously, if you don't know him, he's a ultra marathoner, uh, ultra endurance, former Navy SEAL. He did the most pull-ups in the world. Oh, my gosh. Um, I got a chance to meet him for 30 minutes. Really? Yeah, they did him and uh, Marcus Luttrell, okay. driver, and Taya Kyle, Chris Kyle's late wife. Um they did a, a show in Boston, and my wife got me VIP tickets. I sat down with all three of them before the show. Oh, my goodness. And uh, Goggins was amazing, man. And, and the last thing I said, if you can leave any parting words, what would you say? He looked me in the eye with that look. If you watch me, he says, Todd, if you quit once, you'll quit again. You'll always be a quitter. I had chills, like you know what I mean. It's I just, love it. Just the guy is unbelievable. Some people don't don't love him because he's so extreme. Yeah. But he became the baddest man in the world, bar none, because he he is the epitome of let's get out of our comfort zone in order to become comfortable. Yeah, I love that. For those of you listening who know Todd, can you picture Todd putting his shoes on and he's being a bitch and he's like, I don't want to do it, and then Goggins pops onto his shoulder. 100%. If you quit once, Todd, and Todd's like, all right, I got to get my mind right. I can just picture you at three in the morning, four in the morning getting ready yeah. to do this workout. I, I, I use anything I can. And, and, and again, let me ask you this, and then we'll get to the hot seat questions. You and I are, are I always use the term, if you're juiceful, you're useful. If you're juiceless, you're useless. Yeah. And you and I, I think, our upbringing at a very young age, we've always been people that wanted to bring energy, wanted to make impact. Um, and if you weren't on board, then we were like, see yeah. you later. Yeah. You're either going to get after it or you're not. Yeah. Um, but we all have bad days. And you said it earlier, and I say it all the time, it's not what happens to you, it's how you handle it. What happens when Darren Janelle gets into a tough spot uh, it can be minor. It can be major. Yeah. Maybe you just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. We're human. We do that. But is there a strategy that you use to say, you know what? My kids were up all night throwing up. My wife and I are in a small argument. I got a 12-hour day today. I'm just not there. How do you do it? Yeah, absolutely, man. And I actually heard you do a video on this one. Your What your physical state is doing affects your mental state, yeah. right? So if you're down and you're sitting there and you're laying in bed or on the couch or even slumping in your office chair, it's hard to break out of that. So I've done this so many times that I know this to be a fact, even though I don't feel like it. Yeah. I'm going to get my tail out of my seat. Yeah. I'm putting on some YouTube or some music, you know, Goggins, yeah. or some crazy thing that gets me going. I love Jim Rohn. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to start pacing. I literally am just walking back and forth like a crazy person. Yeah. I mean, someone walk in. I'm starting to talk to myself. Oh, they said you can't do it. They, you know, who's they? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> they said you can't do it. They said you're down. You ain't coming back. You know, yeah. I'm like literally brainwashing myself. Right. Um, and there's this weird conversation going on. It's like, dude, you're like, actually, you need to see the doctor. Yes, yeah, right, right. I start doing that and now I'm walking back and forth and I'm starting to breathe and I'm starting to move and I'm starting to go, come on, man, let's go. Yeah. And I'm physically moving and physically starting to breathe. And then that has a physio physiolo physiological physio yep, effect. reaction 100%. where now different chemicals are being released in my brain yeah. because it's getting more oxygen, because I'm up and because now I'm starting to go, 
Like, I'm, it's actually happening to me right yeah, now. I, it's releasing, uh, yeah, right, certain yeah. chemicals. And now it's so much easier. Right. Now it doesn't feel so bad. And I go, you know what? You're feeling sorry for yourself. There is nothing to be... If you know, if you start to do X, Y, Z on your to-do list and we start moving this thing forward, you know you're going to feel better. Right. Let's start going, baby. Yeah. This is what it's all about. I'm, it's happening to me right, right now, yeah. now. And I think to be able to play that card whenever you need to, yeah. it's one of the greatest gifts and skills ever. I know you have the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my brother has it. You know, he puts on like this death metal. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't believe this music. Right. And he starts going, <gasps> yeah, yeah. you know, and you're Just like, move, yeah. you know, and it's, he's, you're faking it at the beginning. Yeah. You have to know, I'm going to get up. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to force myself through these steps. 10 minutes, two minutes later, right. I'm going to be, I have a shot of yeah. adrenaline. Yeah. And it works, you it's, know? It's, that's a big uh, point in Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins talks about you can change your state in a, in a second. Yeah, and right? he does the that right. breathing, right? Yeah. I think yeah. it's, a, it's he does it in a much more uh, yeah. scientific way. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, he does. And, but it's so true, and that's why I talk to my clients a lot about sweat before screens, which means just just get some movement. And yeah. it can be 15 minutes a day, which the wristband I wear is 1%, because 1% of 24 hours is 14 minutes and 24 seconds. So just for 15 minutes a day, but if you do it for two, you'd be your, your state dramatically changes and yes. you'd be shocked. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate you telling people that because people will say to me all the time, but Todd, you've always been like this. You could always do it. And that's not true. No matter how we are at our core, you still have to work to get out of the adversity you're in. Yeah. The question is, do you have the strategies to do that? Yeah. And that's a strategy that yeah. you just outlined. Yeah. So that's, that's really you know, we weren't, I wasn't always like this too. We, my dad tells a story. He used to make us, we heat our house with firewood. Yeah. So we do, like, we call them wood details. It yeah. just basically means we're going to go split and stack wood for <laughs> hours. It is awful. One time he said we got a wood detail. I don't know how old I am, maybe eight, nine years old. And I hid under my bed. Right. To get away from right. the wood detail. Right. And then he quite caught me, and I just remember how disgusted yeah. he was. This is one of the lowest moments of my life. Right? <laughs> At eight years old, yeah. So that just proves, like, when I was young, I didn't have that. I would, the thought of that, I almost, like, don't even know that person. Right. Like, if my kid ever hid under his bed when we had a work day to right. try to avoid it, right. I just, I can't even tell you the fury and the rage. That was me. I know that is a true story. My right. dad will still tell it, Right. But through brainwashing and all of these things and practicing and, and getting yeah. better and doing that, you're able to literally transform the way right. your brain is wired. 100%. Right? So I, I, maybe that was too much no, to that's add. No, that's but. right. And, and, and you used the term brainwashing a few times. I, I think I want to clarify, and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but brainwashing is a good thing. And it's, it's almost like the law of attraction. If you put it into your mind, it will come to fruition. It, the more you think about it, the more it's going to happen for you. If you think negative thoughts, you're going to see negativity. Yeah. If you think positive thoughts, if you're thinking you're going to have a good day, you're going to have a good day. Is that what you're kind of Absolutely. Saying? Like yeah. brainwashing, when that word is used, it's usually word in a, used in a negative context, context. Yeah, right? right. Um, the person who's brainwashed to believe racist thoughts, the right. person who's believed that they aren't anything, right? right? Their dad's like, you suck, you're ugly, you're a piece of crap, right? right. They're literally brainwashing them. Right. But you can, the brainwashing goes both ways, way. right? And I can brainwash myself to... You know, to to think positively, and I, I've successfully done it. Yeah. I've seen so many people do it. I believe a lot of the stuff that you talk about, and any motivational speaker, at the end of the day, we're 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 training our mind, we're brainwashing, whatever word you want to use. Sure. I'm just continually putting this stuff over and over and over into my mind until right. it becomes part of me. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You just mentioned you were a kid. If you could give the teenage version of DJ advice today. That you didn't know back then, what would you tell? Buy Microsoft stock, 
when Bitcoin comes out, buy that. <laughs> and then sell it when it's about 68,000, DJ. Not now. It came back down. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I, I, I think the thing that maybe I didn't realize when I was younger was um, all of this stuff that we just learned and went through in sports, mm-hmm. it really it has made you different. I didn't realize that we were different. You, you probably had these same realizations as you kind of went out into the regular yeah. world of like, oh, wow, I actually really am different. Right. These guys really struggle at 5 p.m. They're like, I want to go home and go to sleep. Right. Or like, go, like you know, I'm like, so um, I, I think maybe I would explain to my younger self, like, hey, this is makes you different. And you're capable of all of this stuff that yeah. maybe took me a little while to believe. Yeah. Um, Start a business sooner. Yeah. Go quicker. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, I waited until 2012 really to get Janelle Group going. It wasn't like I wasn't trying. I was just trying different things and the wrong things. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's probably what I'd go back and, and, and tell myself, right? I love that. Start, start a business sooner. Um, build a services business and, yeah. and, and just go and, and, and you got what you've got is really different. Take the risk, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, we're into the hot seat questions. Right, let's now go, we'll, baby. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up. So just, I'm going to ask you rapid fire, if you can, one word answer, first thing that comes to mind. What's the last meal you'd have if you can choose anything in the world? Sushi. Favorite smell? My wife. Nice. Bonus points. Let's Fa- go. Favorite movie? Rockies. I can oh. give you one, Rockies. I love If you Rockies. had to choose, what should you say? This is such a question I've spent so many years on. Rocky three. Love it. Clubber Lang. Clubber Lang, Apollo, they're all oh in there, right? Mickey. All right, same topic, favorite TV show? Uh, Breaking Bad. Love that. Favorite app on your phone currently? YouTube. I'm addicted. Love that, and you're on it. Um, who was your idol growing up, and who do you admire? <laughs> Hang on. Have you ever got caught listening to your own stuff? I was listening to my own channel. My wife came in. She's like, are you listening Listen to, to your I video? Yeah. I go, well, I got to critique it. You got to get better. Plus, it's so damn good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I love that. So, uh, <laughs> are you all growing up, but who do you admire now as an adult? Two, two, por- two parts. Uh, Jordan growing up. Okay. Obsessed with him. Yep. Who do I admire now? So many folks. I'm going to go with, uh, I love Casey Neistat. You know him, the YouTuber? I know the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a great YouTuber, and he just okay. seems so cool. And uh, uh, Yeah, Casey like Neistat. It. Okay. Back to the phone. What's the current background on your phone? Do you even know? I just switched it because my kid was messing with my phone to the planet Earth. It's this cool thing where you zoom out. It's like the new feature. Yes, and, I see. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I got planet Earth. Earth. Yeah, right, cool. Yeah. If you could buy anything in the world, what would you buy right now? Um, I can't give some stupid answer like time, right? That's that's yeah, a cheap. That came to your, you I can't mean, really buy time. You, but, you never uh, want to die. You just want to. No, I just no. I do want to die. Get the JC. I gotta yeah. get to see my guy, right? <laughs> he is <laughs> but, number one. In the yeah, top yeah. Three. All right. So if I had to pick a thing I want to buy, how about this? I'm about to put. I'm putting one of my kids through college, and the other three are gonna be following. I would buy. Four college Three educations. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. What is one song that when it comes on or you have to go to Spotify and listen to that just automatically gets you fired up? Oh, my goodness. There's so many. Um, I'm going to go with Tom Sawyer by Rush. When that comes on. That's when that, that voice. That voice. <laughs> I'm like, let's go. You know what I'm saying? 
I got Bob O'Reilly as my theme song. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Andy that, Heck loves that. Oh, he, that's he, great. Yo, buddy. All right, I can't let you go without a couple hoop questions. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, come on, baby. Favorite player that you've played with ever? On my team. On your team. I'm going to have to go with my guy. No, no. Who? Oh, I was going to go with my guy, Andre Duncan. Yeah, I was going to say. Okay. I wasn't right. going to pick you. Good, good. You used to torture me in practice. I, they used to make me yeah. guard this guy. I, I meant to say it before and the question. He'd, I'll have more. He'd cross my face off. I told you I was fast in a straight line, yeah. side to side. Todd knew that, and he'd go, yee, yee, yeah. and I'd fall back. All the guys on the team would go crazy. Yeah. They'd love it. Yeah. Andre Duncan, you remember how good he was? Unbelievable. Oh. And you know what? I almost I almost said except for Andre because I knew it was coming. I, I just love he's him. He's so good. He's, oh, my he's gosh, so good. man. You can you throw know. the ball anywhere in a post, and it's going to be in a Yeah, post entry, you just throw it in heat used to go, he'd put him in jail, remember? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, Dre, jail him up, and he'd be like, just it's toss it in, boom, slow, he, methodical, he, he buckets. Should have been a Division One player. Yeah, I agree. Unbelievable. Um, best teammate ever, not talent, but just, who's the guy that was always cheering people on, picked you up when you needed it, like, who was that rally guy? Mm, that's a good, that's a great, great question. You know, you know, I had a special relationship with my boy Tommy Gold, Tommy Goldrick, right? Yeah, did, yeah. Tommy Gold, although he wasn't that kind of guy, he wasn't he like was, the rah rah guy. He had the dry humor. He had yeah, the dry. and he, there was something between me and him. And then we actually were able to develop that for like again. I was talking about the hoop it up era, yeah. another ten years after where Tommy and I played together. We just had this thing. It was like a special bond on the court. Yeah. So I'd say Tommy Gold. Last question. Favorite Doc Sowers memory. Oh. I love Doc. Or, or I actually wrote down or a story if you want to elaborate. It doesn't have to be a hot seat answer. I, I'll give you, a, and I actually don't know the game that this happened, but Doc was a master at, during a timeout, he'd drop a new play that we hadn't worked Never on, ran. and it would work. Like, for all those basketball coaches that suck out there, they do that a lot, yeah. and they draw it up, and then the team goes out there. They don't really know yeah. what they're supposed to do, and it never works. Right. But Doc was so good at that. And if you remember, he'd usually do a variation of other stuff we knew. Right. And I can remember a time where we were we, we needed a key basket. Tokyo Post, and you hit a shot that he drew for you. No, no, no. I was thinking of a time where he got Dre a touch, oh. and it was such a clever play. And I think he used me as a decoy coming off a double, and then we had a pin down, and Dre came around and just got and like had like a wide open layup. Yeah. And and really, I'm I'm multi, I'm saying multiple things. There was that one story that I'm thinking yeah. of, but he did that so many times. When I leave the huddle, I feel like almost giddy with excitement. I'm like, we're gonna trick these guys. <laughs> and then you'd like set it up in the way he taught us. Like, yeah. you know, you'd like look like I'm gonna go off this double screen when really you know you're going back door. Right. And oh man, yeah. those would work. Uh, I just go, this guy is actually like an X and O genius. Unreal. And you that's know? why he had 701 wins. Yeah. All right, man. Well, so listen, I appreciate the time here. Um, I always like to end with allowing you to kind of have a platform to just leave our listeners with any parting words or advice, um, and then we can wrap it up. But what would you say to our listeners from Darren to know? Yeah, man. You know, I, I just like you would take any anything that you think you care about, your home, your relationship, your body, you have to take care of it day after day after day. You have to be consistent about the upkeep. I would say, treat your mind that way. Mm -hmm. Your mind is just like the car. If you don't get an oil change in the car and you don't clean it and you don't, right, then the car is going to start to break down. Right. But people don't think about their mind that way because they don't see their mind. You see your body. You know if you're eating donuts and not working out and you're <laughs> starting to, like you can tell like it's breaking down on me. Yeah. 
but your mind is just like all of those things, actually, and there's nothing more important to work on, right. including your relationship, your physical health. Nothing is more important than your mind because if your mind is right, all of those other things 100%. will then start to benefit. So treat your mind like your most precious asset. Invest in it every day. Work on it, mold it, clean up those negative thoughts. Think about think about what you're thinking about, yeah. right? And, and take that serious and that, that can be life-changing. That's why I have a job. That's great, man. Yeah, yeah. absolute pleasure to have me here. Dude, this was freaking awesome, Let's man. Let's do it again. Thanks for having me. Today is up to you. Take inspired action. And don't count the days. Make the days count.